Hello and welcome to another Dose Conspiracy Guys true crime story. Uh, this time we're talking about Amanda Knox and joining us in studio is the effervescent, uh, beautiful, radiant uh, Miss Claire Fox. Hi. <laughs> She'll be more effervescent than that as the show goes on. Yeah, I get fizzier and fizzier. I'm like the opposite of a fizzy drink. Yeah, she's, a, she's like a sexy salpadine in a bowl of 7-Up. Uh, and this time we're going to be talking about Amanda Knox. Uh, if you haven't seen the documentary why not why the fuck not this is a story that's been going uh for uh, for almost 10 years now and uh she murdered her housemate or did she um a lot of a lot of kind of spurious allegedly. facts allegedly let's say allegedly a lot of spurious facts a lot of stuff uh, flying around about this case we've also done this case on uh, spin fm spin 103.8 in dublin uh with uh, lauren and gordon at the time and it was great crack it We'll be going into a little bit more detail on this one, I think. Mm. But uh, it's it's still really ropey. It's still a little bit up in the air for me. Uh, if you like the show, uh, this is Those Conspiracy Guys, True Crime. Uh, and fear not, season six is on the way. Uh, it's cooking in the oven right now with gas mark. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want to get in touch with us and complain about not having any more episodes, you can get us on uh, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, we're all there. Uh, to those conspiracy guys are on Twitter. It's at T Conspiracy Guys. And we have 280 characters now. Yeah. Uh, we also have a, a website with all of the uh, info, all of the articles, and even maybe some of the videos. You might find the documentary up there on thoseconspiracyguys.com. Uh, we also do have a Discord server. So the Discord server is for uh, hanging out with the other TCG fans. There's different rooms in there for talking about different topics and stuff like that. And it's kind of like a chat room of old if you want to jump in there. We also use Anchor, which is another type of uh, awesome voicemail service. So if you want to download that app or you can find us uh, on Twitter, dropping some little clips from the old episodes and stuff like that. We do have a t-shirt store, tpublic.com slash those conspiracy guys. We can find loads of cool stuff that uh, designers have done for us about all our episodes over the years. And uh, we couldn't do this show without the wonderful, wonderful people at Patreon. So patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys is the lifeblood of the show. Uh, those guys are waiting patiently for season six as well. But in the meantime, they're getting loads of extra content like uh, secret episodes and little vlogs that we've done while we're waiting to uh, to get ready for these shows, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff. We also have some shows that nobody has ever heard, like uh, our live show in The Generator. I know we had the live show up from uh, The Sugar Club, which I hope you enjoyed. And that's all on our VidMe channel. So vid.me slash those conspiracy guys. We also have a YouTube channel as well, but fuck YouTube for the minute. Uh, they're, they're acting the bollocks. And uh, we also have another sister podcast to this one produced by me it's called why press play and it's all about movies tv shows and computer games and we have all the stuff the facebooks the twitters and we stream on twitch uh fingers crossed twice weekly uh we do a little bit of little bit of business over on the playstation and on steam uh playing games and that and we talk about movies so if you love movies head on over there uh there is loads of content coming, so uh, if you want to head to Patreon, you will get a load of other stuff. There is an RSS feed. It's full of all a whole lot of other stuff, like my appearances on TV, or I had some some radio stuff uh, with FM 104, talking about uh, old old uh, episodes like JFK and Princess Diana. We'll be going through the older episodes on that too, and uh, there's just loads of stuff there for the super fans. If you want to get a little bit of extra... <laughs> uh, you head over to, to Patreon.com, and uh, all the stuff is there for you. So... Amanda Knox, Claire. Mm. We were enraptured. We were. Uh, c- coiled up. 
on the couch in the, in, in the throes of passion while murder played out on the box. I remember it differently. I remember it's on two different couches, but sure. Okay, well, I mean, you can't be. It's too, <laughs> it's too sexy of a story. Is it though? It is. It's it's love I, and I found it romance in no. Italy. I take my year away and I go to Italy to the, the wonderful city of Perugia and find my lover. And then obviously, like, because my lover is a sex crazed maniac, uh, me and some black stranger kill my roommate in a in a in a sex game gone wrong. Did you though? If I'm Amanda Knox, that Did is the character though? I play right now. Mm, is that not what happened? I I don't want to um, blow my load. Is that how you put That's it? That's how it goes, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to uh, throw it all out at the beginning, but I disagree. Ah, so you're off defence already? <gasps> no. <laughs> or do I agree? <laughs> True crime, we don't do an off defence. Oh, People, yeah, it's, we make it up, we make it up. But also, I'm not really sure. I just have questions. I'm not as, yeah. uh, I'm not, like, you seem quite sure. I'm not. I, I'm not quite sure. I'm just playing my own devil's advocate to throw it out there to make it oh. interesting. Oh. Did she, did she not? I, like, people are still looking She's at She's certainly the, a strange one. Yeah, it's, fuck, that's what I mean. There's so, such weird, uh, analysis of this documentary mm. right that people have seen we're going to go into the to the details of the case and talk about the yeah. suspects and the very strange lawyers the very strange uh, legal team that was prosecuting her oh right? like making a murder begin yeah. in Italia part due yeah I um, think it was technically before oh, it's a prequel <laughs> prequale <laughs> prequale ah yes that's perfect but your Italian is <laughs> molto <laughs> bene <laughs> uh, we talk about the, the murder itself we talk mm. about the suspects uh, so Selecito and Knox together mm. A dynamic killing duo and uh, then we talk about the, the sketchy prosecution lawyers and then we talk about the sketchy fucking uh, news reporters which I think yeah. played a major part in the whole of Italy going oh, she's a guilty like yeah. it was pretty like gr- gratuitously uh, splashed across the tabloid headlines right mm. foxy noxy and sex craze maniac was too many like printed too many times you know i think i think if anything um it it was one of those cases that made me made me really see how dangerous um the press can be for shizzle yeah in situations like this just making shit up like in the time now when we're all about fake news yeah uh, that shit back then was literally fake news fake news they'd mm. have a small bit of information mm. but we go through it in a little yeah. while uh, and we also want to talk about the documentary itself and mm. some of the some of the uh, I suppose alleged propaganda pieces from the Knox camp like that, that that documentary we were particularly talking about has been accused of being like a, very subjective yes very subjective yeah. a public a public kind of a pullback reveal of the Knox uh, motives and the story from her point of view particularly I've also seen other videos taken it apart like dudes from uh, Tim Roth from Lie to Me is yeah. looking at you know one of these guys like uh, the way she looked at her eyebrows uh, she's she's cocking her head to the side I mean she's lying I'm yeah. like Okay. I, again, yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. I don't know how to read people in that way. Me either. Uh, that's why I try and do it with Braille mm. <laughs> <laughs> on nipple bumps. It doesn't work that well. Oh, it doesn't no. work that well. I uh, think you just always read boobs. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a boob reader. Uh, read every night, every <laughs> single night without fail. So let's talk about the crime itself then. Amanda yes. Knox, uh, you know, she was a 20 year old girl from Seattle who was kind of like, a little bit aware of her sexuality. She was kind of, you know, a girl next door, blondy hair, nice looking. Can I put that out there? Yeah, she is. Like, she's nice looking. And uh, she she wanted to take her year away, so she went to uh, Perugia, mm-hmm. which is a small town in Italy, predominantly uh, filled with students. 
Mm. It's a studenty type town. Uh, and there was loads of other people in her situation, one of whom was Meredith Kircher, who is an English student uh, studying in Italy. And um, they were together for a, a, a mere matter of days before yeah. Meredith Kircher was found bloodily murdered to death, stabbed and uh, sexually assaulted uh, and then covered in a big duvet mm. in uh, in the apartment that the two girls shared. And uh, like uh, to me, when you're looking at this situation, you're like walking in on a murder scene, you're like, what the fuck? Now, Amanda walked in and took a shower. While there was yeah, but she was very dirty. She'd had a lot of sex the night <laughs> this before. This is it. This is it. She's seen a poop in the toilet and she went, oh, someone's dead. And she rang her then boyfriend who <laughs> the documentary and any other documentary I've seen on it uh, kind of plays up this relationship as a, a, a Sid and Nancy, as a, a Bonnie and Clyde murder duo. You know, these two people that ended up. I don't the, know. Like uh, seeing you, whatever about her weirdness. Yeah. Seeing that poor lad. He was a pure soft Egypt. He was pure soft Egypt. Couldn't yeah. believe his luck. Somebody was finally willing to bed him. Yeah. He just literally like. Oh, my God. Is she going to touch on my wheelie? Like. Yeah. Like he fell in love the first moment he saw her. Yeah. You know, um. And she really was loving the ego boost. I don't know about the the whole ju- like ju- judging her for for going straight for the shower. I really don't. Well, let's talk about that when we yeah. talk about the thing. But I'm just this is the setting the scene. Like oh, okay, so I'm just trying to pepper it in because mm. uh, some of it may make uh, make you think differently about her actions. So she came into the, she mm. came into the toilet uh, out of the toilet and she's like. Wait a minute, Meredith, Meredith, and knocked on the Massive bedroom door. Massive shite. Wait a minute, something doesn't smell right. Sweet corn. I know she doesn't eat sweet corn, Meredith. And then she, the door was locked and they had to push it to like slam the door open or break it open. And she's lying there, brown bread mm. under the duvet. And she, she, she goes back to her boyfriend, Raphael Selecito. Mm. and uh, she's like, oh no, Meredith's dead. And they ring the cops and the cops come down and tromp through the whole place. So the two of them were obviously implicated in the murder, and uh, when questioned, like Amanda Knox went, "Oh, it's my, it's my Af- like half African boss who owns a pub up the road, uh, a man called Patrick Lamumba who was arrested, and then another guy, Rudy Goeda, who's a a, a, a Dutchman, uh, was who's a known burglar, was arrested, and uh, th- these two people were put on trial as well, like uh, Knox and Selecito." put on trial in front of the whole world and the whole of Italy standing outside this little courtroom in Perugia chanting at the thing going fucking hang them from the hang from their balls like it was it was a demented scene uh, it got totally out of hand and uh, loads of like <laughs> loads of problems with the crime scene the police not washing their fucking hands or handling one piece and handling another piece and it, it, it all ended up being uh, kind of thrown out and Knox ended up not being Guilty after four years of being in prison and being on trial. Like, it was a harrowing story for the two of them. Yeah, it's a long time to wait yeah. um, to get, you know, to, to get a definitive answer whether she they did it or not. Yeah. It's an awful long time and a lot to go through. But the two of them are now not in prison for this murder. Yeah. Right? And uh, Amanda Knox was only just acquitted at that Supreme Italian Supreme Court ruling mm. uh, uh, a year or so ago. Like, it's... Uh, it's one of those things where you go like, Jesus, is that an OJ Simpson? Like, did they, did they, did both of them, or did Amanda Knox absolutely get away with murdering that girl in some weird sex game gone wrong? Which is what the media would have you believe. And because there was so much fighting and because there was so much consternation around the case and the, the evidence and all this stuff, it, it, 
it kind of got them off like well we couldn't definitively know like we, we would have a better idea in a case that was managed more efficiently yeah that was managed more professionally there was elements of oj elements of john benet ramsey like this kind of like i just got the impression that in perugia there was people there were people in the press there were people in um in the police force that were just so like excited to have something exciting to do that their egos got in front of it yeah a little bit so it was very difficult it was very hazy yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot of uh, kind of like Italian pride going on. Yeah. There. It's like, are you American? Coming mm. over here, murdering someone and uh, think you get away with it? Huh? Mm. Not in Perugia. Like it's very... And they didn't really mention it um, in any of the research that I did. But but you're, I'm also aware as an Irish person, like the, the girl who was murdered was English. And I'm yeah. sure there was a lot of pressure from the UK on Italy as well on their authorities well it got world like I mean how many fucking people are killed in another country yeah. every day like yeah. I would imagine at least dozens mm. if not hundreds uh, out of the millions of people that die every day like why was this one so special mm. well it was uh, newsworthy similar to Madeleine McCann like why of all the kids that go missing of all the children you know that get abducted mm. or, or you know put in dungeons and shit like why is there so much focus on her particularly I, I, I think it was it was tasty, particularly yeah. for the for the press. Like, you know, there was one particular journalist. Yeah. He, sh- he shouldn't be allowed to call himself a journalist. But it was sexy headlines. It was like sex yeah. game gone wrong. And, and the papers yeah, were just flying were, off the shelves. There were people like, who didn't consider professionalism important and just yeah. were literally going, what can I make up today? Because mm. I want another front page. Yeah. And particularly one dude who was in that documentary. Yeah. Kind of sickening sicken a little bit where he's like... Uh, Oh, he, he, yeah, like, we, t- we talked with him in a while, yeah. but he's, he, yeah, he was schlippy. Yeah, schlippy, Um, so, so getting into the, the actual case itself and looking back on who Amanda Knox was mm. and who Raphael Selecito was, like, could these two people have committed murder? What do you think, Claire? I think no. I really, like, he, he definitely just seems like very much an innocent. Yeah. Um, I didn't see any evidence to tell me that Amanda Knox was the murderer. Therefore, I don't believe she was because nothing convinced me that she was. Yeah. Well, there's only one little clip uh, of Meredith Kircher in the whole of the Knox documentary yeah. and, and kind of anywhere really online because this is 2006 and mm. seven. Like before Facebook, it was maybe a Bebo time. If you're dying at that point, there's no like Facebook tribute page to you. There's no, no there's no let's remember Meredith. Yeah, mm. because there wasn't that many. Like, if you didn't have a camera, if your family didn't have a, like a video camera or anything like that, there's not going to be a whole lot of footage of you. No. And this one scene that they kept on playing in the documentary was jumped on by the Kircher family, and they said right. you didn't even ask for permission to use that. Right. Um, but it shows her qu- quite clearly, and she seemed like she was just like a normal. Hey, not there's no real pretense or anything. And according to all reports, she was pure sound. Real nice girl. Can you see her getting into what was alleged to be like a sex game gone wrong? No, I mean, it would be one thing. Like, I mean, I, I lived abroad and yeah. I shared um, an apartment with a girl who possibly at the end I would have considered murdering. <laughs> but oh. in the first nine days, certainly not. The yeah. first two weeks, no. Like we were still in our honeymoon period. This, uh, yeah, being yeah. sound to each other, or like not 
commenting on uh, she stinky started, knickers in the yeah, corner. Yeah, she hadn't like, started to play music at a ridiculous level yeah. and then storm in and ask me to turn it down. We <laughs> hadn't got to that stage yet. You know, so, the murderous stage. Setting up for a fall. <laughs> so uh, what really got Amanda, and this is the thing, like she's a 20-year-old girl. She's from Seattle. Uh, she's she's on a student trip, like it's a trip of a lifetime. Mm. Do you know, it's what all the American kids want to do is come to Europe and all the European mm. kids want to go to America. Why don't you just fucking swap? Yeah, strange. Uh, but, they, but she came over to, to Italy to try and get a bit of culture. Yeah. But she said it herself. She mm. was a bit wild in a kind of like virgin suicides kind of way. Like, oh, aren't we mad? Oh, we're all living in suburbia and we're all like, oh, I put a pink streak in my hair. Like, yeah, she wasn't I, fucking... I don't know about somebody like wanting to go... Um, you know, somewhere foreign and study at 20. I don't I don't see the wildness in that. No, but like she wasn't fucking lining up two yards of cock end to end no. or anything. She was just like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm out for a bit of drinking yeah. and I'm a bit of a messer. Like she was all for it, right? Uh, and the whole case was built on her promiscuous nature or her, her kind of like over, over-sexualization. Like, I didn't, Absolutely. I don't, I don't it sounded really like it, the like, orgies and... Yeah. Drug, it, it, drug-fueled orgies was some of the... It just was... I mean, she was open about, you know, being in her boyfriend's house yeah. and smoking a bit of weed and making love, as she called yeah. it. Yeah, she said making love and he's yeah. like, doing the the whoopsie. It was pretty weird. He, <laughs> he didn't seem like a guy who was doing a lot. But Amanda and the videos that they showed uh, online that I've seen, like home movies and stuff like that, where she's, she's talking to the camera, like she knows she's a sexual being mm. and all this kind of sexy talk will, will come into play later on. But like she knows she's a sexual being, she knows like she she got them titties going. So do a lot of twenty year olds. Yeah, of course. Mm. That's the fucking. That's what it's for, you know. Yeah. Shake it around a bit. Mm. Uh, so she was working as a waitress in Perugia, uh, and and she was working the night that Meredith died, and I think she was supposed to work. She was supposed to be working. Yeah. So so where was she instead? So she was in uh, the boyfriend's house, right. according to her. Now they hadn't been going out very long. Oh, two weeks. Right. So kind of t- the same amount of time she'd been there, more or less. Right. In two weeks, then, would you still be in the kissy cuddles, like gimme snuggies, holy handsy, schmoochy, schmoochy boochies? Well, is two weeks that? You tell me. Well, I'm still like that with you. <laughs> I'm still like that. Um, but is there is there uh, two weeks like you kind of can't keep your hands off each other's yeah, stuff? Yeah, I think that's... It'll be important later on when we talk I think it. that's why I believe that she actually was in the boyfriend's house the night Meredith was killed. Because I think if you find out late in the evening that your boss doesn't need you to work, then you're straight over yeah. for the ride. For the ride, the the wine and the weed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the trifecta yeah. of, of a surprise night off so of work. So I think it's completely plausible. Right, well, she was she was going out with this guy a couple of weeks. This is Raphael Selecito. Mm. And uh, between the two of them, it seemed that they'd been going out a lot longer than they had been. They were, you know, kindred spirits. They were close. They were fast friends, let's say, by the look of the way they were going on in the videos from way back then. Like, they were hugging and kissing all the time. And oh, I think that's young love. It is young love, it is. But I'm just saying... A we'll young con- infatuation. We'll contrast that now when we talk about young the crime lust. scene. Um, so, the, the the fact that they were a- attacked, they um, immediately, Amanda wanted to deflect herself as a suspect. And the fact that she accused her boss, who was the the owner of the, the, the restaurant and bar that she was supposed to be working in that night, Patrick Lamumba... Uh, he he was fingered by Amanda Knox as the murderer. Like he must have done it. I I disagree with that. Yeah. I I think um she was under pressure. Um, she was being told at this stage her Italian wouldn't have been great. Yeah. And she was being told by Italian police when she was being questioned, 
Um, she was being told by them, oh, no, this isn't what you said. This is what this means. Like in My Cousin Vinny, it's like, I shot the clerk. You won't say that again. I shot the clerk. Like incredulous. And the tone was maybe incorrect yeah, or something. Yeah, and, and an expression that she like thought Patrick was... Patrick Lumumba? Yeah, an expression that she assumed was, okay, see you later, was, yes, I'm going to see you later. We have an appointment. Right, so in the text messages between the two of them, because mm. what Knox said was that he gave her the night off... Mm. On purpose, so it could be done, so she could go to Selechito's and there would be a clean house for him to go over and rape and murder, murdered Kircher. I still, that was the, the narrative that was created by the police. I, I, yeah, I still wonder how much of that was um, coerced. Yeah, well, the two of them were in, in, in uh, interrogation rooms for hours mm. and hours and hours. Mm. So, like, as soon as... And the hammer fell. Bear in mind, like, did she even have an English interpreter, an English spe- native English speaking interpreter? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Selechito is still in the dock, did, still didn't have the best English. So. No, I can only imagine how difficult it would have been at 20 years old, yeah. you know, f- police asking you questions, giving out shit to you. Like, I could see myself going, I don't know, maybe my boss did it. I know I didn't do it. Maybe it was suggested, you know, by the police when they were interrogating her. Yeah. Like, was it Patrick Lamomba? Did he do it? That yeah. black bastard, did he do it? And she's like, I don't know, I didn't see him tonight. Yeah. And they're like, and why they does your text say, it. I will see you later? Yeah. And she's like, if you, Like, you know, I will see you later. Yeah. When we planned that murder we were planning. Yeah, I just, I don't know that, that, that she really pointed the finger. Like, I don't, I don't know that she would have done that of her own accord. Yeah, well, the documentary paints her as, like, a romantic. Right. Who was, you know, in love with a young Italian man, not, like, the the sexy, sex-crazed schemer that the media at the time and some other documentaries that I've seen online kind of paint her out to be. Uh, the stuff... What's the evidence? That's what I want. Well, look, <laughs> they were all living in a town that hadn't had a murder in 30 years. Yeah. Right? People were getting fingered all over the place. And then there was people getting accused of a murder as well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, they 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 had to get somebody for this. The people were baying for blood. So the cops got the two of them in, Selechito and Knox, slapped them in the room. And they were literally, like, boxing her around the head, going, tell me the fucking answers, like, but shouting what? at her in Italian. So, of course, she was going to say something. She, she like uh, Brendan Dassey in Making a Murderer, except without the the mental deficiency or whatever but mm. still she was she made up this whole thing and they were trying to find somebody that was close to her in her life that could fit the description i don't know what way race relations are in italy but maybe but bear in mind she had already like he, she had already been told when she went in to answer questions from the police she had already been told that the boyfriend had turned on her yeah well that's the that's the technique that they use yeah, yeah. so i mean you're 20 yeah you don't, your parents or family aren't to be found you're because a, they're in America. You're in another country, in another language. You don't really understand the language. And yeah. they're telling you your boyfriend has just said that you did it. I, I can understand how under that stress you would kind of go, okay, well, it's me, It's either me or them. Yeah. So who can I point the finger to? So from that testimony that Knox gave to the police, mm-hmm. it was then decided that it had to have been some black dude. Uh, so they went looking around. Yeah. And because Lumumba was actually working in his bar, Le Chic, uh, that night he had his alibi yeah. but still the papers were like La Mamba La Mamba yeah I'd say he didn't get a good reputation out of it really didn't mm. uh, his name and face were splashed all over the tabloids yeah. back in uh, back in England because it was a huge story in England mm. not so much in the US at the time uh, until she was being tried for murder but like uh, immediately it was front page of the sun kind of job so they went looking for a black dude because out of the corner of somebody's eye blah 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 whatever 
bullshit they made her say. So uh, they acquitted Lumumba uh, because of the bloody fingerprints on the bed sheets and on the wall of Meredith's room. The, the stuff didn't match, DNA didn't match. Uh, and then there was a poo left in the toilet, which Amanda walked straight past after a shower and went, oh, you dirty beggar. Mm. And uh, they were the DNA was matched to this guy, Rudy Guede, mm. who was uh, 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 arrested in Germany. That's quite a... Um Signature, isn't it? Yeah, like the wet bandits. He or left something. a big poo in the <laughs> toilet. The sweet corn killer. But uh, <laughs> he he fled to Germany the day after the murder. Now a, an innocent man doesn't run. Yeah. Right. So uh, he he there was phone calls and he was like, "No, nah, I'm not coming back, man." They're like, they're looking to put someone away for this. And I heard talk that there was people just like going, "Yeah, some black guy. I'm mm-hmm. not fucking going back there." It's like your DNA is all over the apartment, bro. And why is that? That's yeah. the thing, like, why was his DNA there if he mm-hmm. wasn't there? Could he tell the story of why he could have been there? Was he Meredith's on again, off again, here, come over for a ride, but me, you know, my folks don't might not like you. Because he was a, he was already a petty criminal. He was, uh, uh, you know, involved in some criminal shit. Like, he was a burglar. He used to rob people's houses and stuff. So maybe, and what the police then later on said could could have happened was he was just a, an opportunistic burglar who was interrupted in his burglarization mm. by Meredith and then in a frenzy like stabbed her and they went oh Jesus I, I killed her I might as well I might as well give her give her a ride now as well and then bounced um, like it seems like a mad story to concoct just to make all the things fit but, but he see, had done, he had done were, a shit in the toilet does a burglar do a what, shit in the toilet that's what the police seem to be doing yeah like they were they were creating a narrative and then trying to piece together um evidence to support their narrative cognitive dissonance it's not like police would do that ever but as opposed to looking at the evidence and then after looking at all the evidence yeah and then all the interviews and everything but they had started to point the finger at um knox and you'll have to pronounce his name Selecito. Selecito. Um, from the moment that they spotted them outside the apartment, yeah. they didn't like their body language. That's it. So there was a whole kind of sexy comfort vibe. You know the way you want when something horrible happens, you just want someone to just give your ding dong a little tug just to take the pain away. What, what I thought was noticeably omitted in any of the research that I did and any, anything I've looked at around this story is that people seemed to afford a 20-year-old American white woman. Yeah. A lot more maturity than an American white woman who was 20, who was a bit all about herself, would have. Yeah, I think... Like, uh, of course she was looking to get, you know... She only knew this girl a wet week. She didn't care that she was... Like, she really didn't care. Yeah, I mean, as well, when you're 20, like, to, to, you know, go to bed at 7 in the morning and stay in the bed till 4 in the afternoon is not unheard of. No. So she's coming back after a night of riding. She goes into the shower, has a shower, cleans her teeth by her own admission. Yeah. Spots a bit of blood in the, in spots the sink. Spots a bit of blood in the sink and goes, ah, Meredith must be on her rags it. or something. Right. Uh, you know, two young ones in, in a house together. You mm. just do get blood sometimes in places when people are drunk and they're all like, I'm on my page, it's fucking, I clean it tomorrow. And it happens. Like, I've often thought about coming back from a night out, you know, in the wee hours. Um... I, you don't start like inspecting your apartment. You really don't. 
you know that's the thing you'd want to do the least because then you'd be like oh now I have to clean it and I think she probably only noticed the poo because she was like you dirty rotten thing am I going to be <laughs> yeah. sharing an apartment with you yeah flush the fucking toilet apparently the poo was even out over oh, the water over the yeah, water like an iceberg yeah iceberg poo but um yeah so like I mean she cleaned her teeth had a shower yeah noticed the blood there was a little bit of blood on the back like when you're putting it all together all of that whole crime scene thing and we'll talk about the transpirations of what happened with the crime scene near the end but like to go into the house after a night of riding now the mobile phones as well in this case will come up as a particular like point of note for her guilt mm. right but to go into the house after leaving Raphael's house to have a shower why not have a shower at your boyfriend's house that you've just been riding uh, in all hello have going, you ever seen a 20 year old boy's bathroom so you were dirtier coming out of the shower than going in <laughs> that's why all I had to do all I had to deal with in her house was a shit in the, in the toilet <laughs> yeah that was a lot more yeah. uh, palatable Raphael why is there a toilet brush in the shower uh, just in the case uh, you need to break it up or he won't it's go down it's my loafer <laughs> loafer <laughs> pinch a loafer so the, the thing is like when she was coming out she saw the shit in the toilet mm. for my mind and a little bit of blood for my mind why didn't she check the whole house Right now, that's, after a shit in the yeah, toilet, that's just I'm just saying, right? But also, if they're twenty year old girls, you could expect and like a, literally anything can happen. Literally, and like my house when I was twenty, don't forget about it. Like it was a you know. I saw your house when it was thirty, and it wasn't great. <clears throat> so uh, thanks. So uh, the the shit in the toilet bit, which I keep on saying. Because it is quite important when you think of the motive of Rudy Gueda, who's a burglar who breaks into the house to rob something, gets found out, kills Meredith Kircher and goes, geez, I'm not going to make it out of here without doing a shite. Then went in to do a shite and then like was interrupted somehow and ran away with a shitty bum. He how didn't even we, wipe his bum. How do we know at, at what stage did he do this shit? He might well, have done the sh- shit when he was mid-burgle before Meredith came home. Right. Meredith comes home. Then he's like, shit, not shit in the toilet, just shit, <sighs> damn. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe he was having a shit and then she came home and I caught don't, him. I don't know why he has to be mid-shit, but anyway. But he he didn't, he, he pinched it off clean, la. He didn't have any paper wipers. Oh, yeah, that's true. And there was blood in the bathroom. So obviously he had done, whoever had done the murder and put the shit in the toilet had done the bloody stuff and then came out to the bathroom with the bl- blood there. Mm, true. Because the murder was committed in the bedroom. But then why did he go back into the bedroom, lock the bedroom and break out the window? Because he didn't want the, whoever the housemate the was yeah, to see. To see. It's, it's, it's a fucking weird one. Mm. Now, the only thing that could make it less weird is if Amanda was in the house already and concocted that whole scenario. I'm just playing the devil's advocate on the other side of her guilt. Because like, she was under the bed f- shivering in fear and didn't want to be murdered. Maybe the story as it was told, like her and Gueda and Selecito killed Meredith and went, oh shit, uh, we're going to have to make it look like a burglary. Here, Rudy, uh, when you're done your shite, make sure you get out through Meredith's window and break it like it looks like someone broke in. But the, the glass was broken the wrong direction. Was it not broken from the inside going out? Yeah, the wrong direction. But so I think like, that's the right direction because if you're locked in the room yeah. and you're trying to get out, yeah. you break out. So that's what I'm saying. If it was a robbery, it's the wrong direction. But he could have got into that house any which way. Yeah. The door could have been open when Mer- Meredith could have been in the house and he, f- and he you know, mid-burglary realised that she was actually in the house. Yeah, mad. 
But why? Yeah, it's, it's so fucking, it doesn't make any sense, man. But that's my point, is that I don't know what happened, but neither did the police. No, and they but tried to slap it all together. Them. Yeah, it's really fucking It's weird. like getting five different pieces of a 500-piece jigsaw and going, sure, this'll do. It's kind of a cat, but with a nose that's up in the sky, but also <laughs> the paws aren't paws. They're yeah. pieces of shit in a toilet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does get weird. Uh, uh, trying to think how how the night actually went and that's what most of the, the trial was mm. was trying to piece together true like motives and true evidence um a narrative of something that happened that's really like magic bullety or it's really like uh, if the if the glove don't fit you must acquit so they hung the whole thing on one little piece of of evidence for oj and they said and he was wearing these gloves and he's got the blood on him and those gloves and those gloves and those gloves and then he went to put on gloves and they wouldn't fit and the jury went mustn't have been him. But so. when you only have a tiny bit of quasi-circumstantial evidence yeah, and and then somebody makes that piece of evidence look ridiculous then your case falls apart. Yeah. That's not the issue of the person who did the crime. It's the issue like the police haven't been able to Gather enough evidence. Yeah, well, let's talk about the man who was putting all this, all these narratives together. Let's. Uh, Self-appointed saint himself. Yeah, exactly. So the Italian prosecutor in Perugia at the time, Giuliano Magnini, who makes lovely ice cream, he was the guy that was putting all of these things together. He was the matlock that was going to, you know, uh, represent the Italian legal community and really show it, suck it to those Americans, you know. Mm. Uh, He's really full of himself, walks around like his shit doesn't stink, that you can leave it in the toilet in somebody's apartment at a murder scene and no one will Waving care. Waving at everybody in the village like yeah. he's the Pope. Getting high Il fives, Papa. getting high fives and fucking getting like a, a 10,000 lira notes poked into his jacket pocket. Like he was a bit of a rock and roll star mm. walking around the town, right? Uh, so much so, I love that quote that he has in the thing, like, uh, uh, when, when they're talking about the legal system in America and how the Americans were kind of judging how he did his job. And he goes, hey, when, uh, you know, we had this courtroom and we had a legal system when the people in America was drawing buffaloes on the cave walls, huh? Like, it was real, like, fuck off, ye, you don't know what you are. Yeah. And... The fact that he was so full of himself meant that he couldn't be wrong no matter what. So he put this whole thing together. He was saying that it had to have been a woman that did this crime because a man wouldn't cover the body after a sex crime. A woman would feel the shame or whatever and covered it. So it had to be Amanda Knox. Uh, they said that uh, her and Guede planned the escape. That's why the glass was facing the other way and he got out through the window. And the only reason that she was in the house at all is because she had done the murder. That if she came back the way that she said it happened... That it couldn't absolutely couldn't have been possible. He gave all the information to the the press, mm. uh, to the journalists. We're going to talk about in a while. Nick Pisa, uh, and it, like he was really instrumental in publicizing Knox's guilt outside of the courtroom. And there was no checks and balances. There was no stopping him doing that, which I found a little bit kind of like a little bit overkill for his mm. position. Yeah, supposed to come into court, give the evidence. You know, but he was making a narrative outside of court and people were kind of filling in the gaps. And I think maybe there was a little bit of like simpatico between him and the press where the press would leap to conclusions and he'd then put them into his case. He had a massive um, ego. It yeah. was all about the attention that he was getting, you yeah. know. He, in the doc, he talks about how much he loves detective novels, especially like yeah. Sherlock Holmes. And uh, he, he went, like in the documentary when he should like he showed... Uh, I showed Amanda Knox uh, uh, this collection of knives and uh, she became hysterical and 
Amanda remembers this as well and says like yeah he was just showing me knives and I freaked out because I was like what the fuck is this yeah, I, I'm in a murder probably mur- didn't understand what he yeah, was saying I'm in a murder case you know and he and he thought he was on an episode of Sherlock Holmes so he really thought he had did. to figure out who did it in yeah. an hour <laughs> yeah. he, he, he says in the documentary he's like and I knew it was her when I show her the knives and uh, she was freaking having hysteria because she was remembering at that moment uh, the psychological trauma of killing men it and uh, this I know uh, because you know I am Sherlock Holmes like yeah he was doing some major speculation yeah, big time big time now uh, as far as the court case when he was in and out of court like it was kind of like a national celebrity by the end of the case because everyone in Italy was talking about it, everyone in England was talking about it uh, the trial began on the 16th of January 2009 and the charges were that Knox and Selecito and Greta had murdered Kircher in her bedroom in a six game gone wrong that was the, the front mm-hmm. of all the pages so this character assassination that ensued against Knox was that she was this promiscuous you know uh, like sex crazed cockasidal maniac and uh, she had come along and they did these little cartoons and all in the fucking like on the English and Italian news, like they yeah. had these, you know, these. Uh, they even had a little, um, a little like three uh, D little cartoon, a little rendered cartoon, yeah, yeah. But like that, models of you know. That when was in get... like uh, South Korea or somewhere. <laughs> Not South Korea. Oh, was it? Was it? Yeah, it was on Japanese news it was or something, in ja- wasn't it? Ja- yeah. yeah. So they had all these like uh, uh, reconstructions and all. So the whole thing was that Amanda Knox was like in the apartment, and you know. There was, there was wine and candles and like the seam of her jeans was just rubbing on her just the right way and she just looked over and she saw Selecito her already consensual boyfriend of two weeks who yeah. they were making love regularly and she said you know what I want a strange black dude to fuck me as well and she started to elicit this threesome from the two lads right because she's a sex crazed maniac and allegedly. Then, allegedly. And then Meredith Kircher. Yeah, this is all speculation. This mm. is all just speculation story. Yeah, Amanda, if you're listening. Uh, and then Kircher went, Oh no, you guys aren't going to have sex in the sitting room. The whole sitting room's going to smell like sex. And got a bit prudish. And in retaliation, the three of them clubbed together, attacked her sexually, held a knife to her neck and to her ear, put her on the ground, raped her and then stabbed her to death. And then put the whole thing into the bedroom, covered it with a blanket. Rudy got out the window to make it look like a robbery. And then the two, the two uh, Amanda and Raphael, turned off their mobile phones and went over to his house. To me, that's like that's so what the much, fucking courtroom that's, says. That's so much more difficult uh, narrative to come up with. Absolutely. Than, than just somebody was interrupted burgling and then took advantage. Like this, this twenty-year-old American girl who didn't know her fanny from a hole in a bathroom wall. Mm was so sexually experienced and like you know manipulatively talented Mm. that she was able to get two other grown-ass men to sexually attack uh, her roommate with a knife and then stab her to death and then frame like make a whole yeah i just don't see it i don't see it i don't see it so uh, the, the, the three of them were sentenced three weeks later on the 5th mm. of December and they got 26 years imprisonment. Yeah. Like that's demented. But it just shows you the failings in the justice system, mm. not only in Italy, but everywhere. Well, poor old Patrick Lumumba, like he was fucking, he was already fucked at this stage. So uh, at the first trial she went through, she was already in prison for three years. So the, the, the trial was at the end of 2009, before mm. the murder trial. Uh, she pleaded not guilty of murder, sexual assault, carrying a knife, staging a burglary and theft. Uh, but she was convicted of falsely implicating Lumumba, 
which is coerced from the police. Yeah, right? that's a bit rich. Bullshit crack. And she was charged with slander, defamation, uh, which she was liable for 22,000 euros of damages and three years in prison, which she had already served after her, her initial arrest. So, I mean, she wasn't to do any more time. Yeah. But Lumumba had to move to Poland. He had to get rid of the bar, Le Chic, mm. and uh, Knox's forced, coerced confession was the reason for this. Like, fucked up the man's life. Like, yeah. That's demented. It is demented. But also, if the job was done properly, Meh. that would not have happened. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just, I'm not a policewoman, but like, I think it's fairly straightforward to go, um, before going mentioning Lumumba to anybody yeah. going up to him and going hey have you an alibi for that night yeah that's fairly airtight thanks see ya but the police were so lackadaisical with like securing information and the press were they so were salacious they were photocopying information and yeah. handing it to the press because it was a little buzz for Perugia police like yeah yeah it doesn't it's weird so then on the 16th of January she was convicted and they did all this other stuff like the 26 years imprisonment uh, so all this happened uh, like all quite quickly and the the appeal trial happened in 2010 and where the court found that no DNA of Knox was found on the murder weapon and we'll talk about the murder weapon mm. in a little while but it was a knife that was used to stab Eric Kircher to death um, if there's no DNA of the murderer on the murder weapon they didn't do the murder I would have thought so they probably said oh she had really good gloves <laughs> well okay well let's talk about it now then fuck yeah. it like the 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 way that the crime scene was handled yeah. by the police, by the lawyers who were the ward of care to the evidence. So they're the the chain of evidence and how it gets passed from you know the police station to the investigators, uh, into the courtroom even like all of that stuff has to be monitored before it's examined, and all the examinations all have to be monitored and kept like secure so that you're not fucking. Like with, with Stephen Avery having your one with like trace DNA and having it being contaminated with some other shit. So on the murder weapon, on the knife, right? On the blade part, there was some trace DNA. Now this is kind of like from sweat or from, you know, uh, putting your hand on it, a bit of, a bit of skin samples from the thing. Like there wasn't any, any blood DNA of Meredith Kircher on the knifey part. And similarly to the handle, there was a trace DNA of Amanda Knox and of Kircher and of Gueda. But of course, it was one of their kitchen knives. They were going to be using them. Like, if somebody did a DNA test of our kitchen knives right now. I'd say there'd be 40 people's DNA on it. Yeah. Some of them we don't even know. Because mm. the knives were in the house before we came in here, some mm. of them. Yeah. Do you know? Like, if you're talking about trace DNA. But this is a dirty knife. Uh, it was It was found in the drawer. And Magnini held it up like it was, you know, some kind of Excalibur or something like that. Like, this is the key to the case. And everyone went mental when now, they found DNA. Now, is this DNA the knife that made her hysterical? <laughs> it was one of the few that he showed her, yeah. Mm. It, was, it, was, it was like an infomercial. It was like, watch me cut a can in half. One of those ones. But the, the appeal trial also found that uh, this all the sets of evidence were highly contaminated, including yeah. uh, a bra clasp belonging into Meredith Kircher's bra 
that was ripped off in a fit of murderous passion. Found in the living room floor, was it? Yes, but found in the living room floor weeks and weeks after the initial yeah. investigation. Weeks with, and weeks. With some DNA of... Um, Everybody. Fucking everybody's yeah. DNA is on it. But Ra- Raphael Selecito's DNA yeah. was on it. Now, when it was all said and done, everybody came together at the appeal, the, the, the Supreme Court appeal, and the guys who were handled the stuff said, yeah, I mean... We weren't even changing gloves, man. We were like picking some shit up and putting them in, At picking some other stage, shit up. There was a photograph of, um, <laughs> like, I'm laughing because I can't actually believe this was allowed to happen. There was a photograph, you know, like if you left a bag with some meat from the washers up on the oven. Yeah. Like before you put it in the fridge. Yeah. Like there was a bag like that, and then somebody went, "Yeah, that was the DNA evidence." Like it was the absolute last thing you would expect after all of the crime shows like, we've been privy to. Yeah, it was like a shopping bag they were just going in and shopping for evidence and just throwing it all into the one and mixing all the shit together like, it, it's not like you it see defi- on the, yeah. you, the the lads come along with a pen and a, and a glove, you know, the guy like yeah. super casual, give me a glove and he shakes it I don't it actually out know how Horatio would, would solve anything if he didn't have that pen to lift things up with. I don't know. You know, he'd be, he'd be at the bottom of the They're thing. They're really going. good at finding eyelashes as well. A <laughs> lot better than semen. other people with normal eyes. There's semen everywhere. There is semen at everywhere. The fucking, That's at, true. A, at a crime scene. Um, <laughs> I can imagine Horatio going into the place and he's like, Yeah, there's a lot of evidence around here. I hope we get lucky. Maybe when opportunity knocks. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That was the best. I was, not, waiting, was, I was yeah, waiting for it. That was the best um, one I could come up with. My, like, I'd be kind of thinking, right? Um, how would they even have? Like, do they even have the the blue lights for for the? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it seemed, Perugia, it seemed like these guys like were going said, in and out without their little booties. Like They're you supposed said, to have they booties haven't had on. a murder in thirty years. Yeah. Like, are they prepared for it? That's what I was going to say. Like, like has um, Giuliano Minini has he ever actually even in his professional life dealt with a murder? Not to mind loads of murders where he's like, yeah. oh, we made some mistakes. Like, and they were the ones going in and out looking at the scene. So if it was a case where their protocols said, um, you know what, when there's a, um, like a serious case like murder, because you don't deal with them all the time, ring the um, Italian version of the FBI. Yeah. And have them come because they know what they're doing yeah. and they'll have all the stuff and just seal off the place don't let anybody in don't let anybody out and do not touch anything don't touch anything instead of seal that it off. they just basically just a load of people yeah. you actually have video of it the television was there do, uh, what, looking at everybody out, going in, in and out, out. but and it looked out. cool because they were all dressed in those white paper like hazmat suits yeah but suits. half of them had booties half of them didn't yeah. apparently the booties were never changed but it didn't matter because half of them didn't have them anyway yeah. they never changed gloves so when they took was one piece of evidence all over the apartment from the lads tromping it all around on their feet so when they took a piece of evidence they like lifted a piece of evidence from say from the bedroom yeah and they bagged it. And then with the same gloves, they went into a different room and lifted a piece of evidence. So they could have been taking DNA. From everywhere. From everywhere. Yeah. Via their gloves and, and transferring And was in the house loads because he was over giving Amanda the good one. Yeah. For the last two weeks. Of course. He, like he could have been walking barefoot through that living room. He could have <laughs> walked on that bra clasp that had nothing to do with Meredith Kircher's um Murder. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've lost I'm many's sure, the bracklass. I'm sure if you're looking through a, a crime scene for semen, that the 20-year-old Italian 
who's going out with a fucking 20 year old American one that looked mm-hmm. like Amanda Knox I'm sure there'll be a lot of semen around that crime scene yeah if you wanted to find it yeah I mean think about when I was 20 Jesus Christ almighty a lot of semen lots more than the Russian Navy so yeah the crime scene was a, a, like a real shambles and uh, the way it was all pieced together the way Mignini put it all together he really was like hammering that Sherlock Holmes shit in you know he like the media played a huge part in it as well and I think there was oh, a, there was a to and fro where Mignini was saying some stuff and then the media would say some stuff but uh, when when uh, Amanda Knox and Celestito were convicted of the of the crime mm. right uh, Mignini says and he says in the documentary as well he says uh, you are not often called a prophet in your own country mm-hmm. and you're like you fucking messianic complex motherfucker yeah. right and he was so happy that when he won people were going around like shaking his hand and giving pats in the back and literally like poking money into his jacket saying thanks very much like you're you're really keeping the peace around these streets he was a real Wyatt Earp you know of the time yeah. and it, it, like his smug fucking anus face Mm. in the documentary made me really like if it was propaganda to make Amanda Knox look innocent it was really fucking good because like if she did it what a fucking asshole to go up against I agree I think Menini and Nick Pisa yeah we'll talk about Nick we'll talk about him in a sec but the two of those characters were not were not in any way supporting Amanda Knox no in the documentary but they were Even after so she was proved to be fucking innocent. Yeah, so. yeah. They were still convinced of their... Yeah. Well, Nick Pisa actually was too stupid to say anything about her guilt or innocence. Yeah. He was only just talking about his own front paper headlines. I think as well, that's kind of a smart stupidity because he... he yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to come out and say that the girl is guilty when she's clearly innocent and you were instrumental in having her spent so long in jail by but, your but he didn't have to go salacious into, reporting. He didn't have to go into a documentary and openly admit that basically he was doing anything for a headline. Yeah, but I guess it makes it like it, it adds to the flavor of the story. Like how do how uh, they do that all the time? But he's just going, yeah. Look, that's how you do business. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be missing out. You hear some, you hear some, you know, uh, cooler water cooler talk around a police station, and uh, you know you got you got to be first to the first to the phones with, with a hat with a little piece of card inside of it. it says press, <laughs> and you got to ring and you got to like wind the telephone and and shout the story really loud down the phone. Extra, extra. Yeah, that's like he- Knox and orgy. <laughs> Foxy Noxy slays Kircher. More at seven. Foxy Noxy HIV positive that's another thing question mark this is another thing so the the media came along and they tried to just carry to assassinate her and they 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 hedged their bets they went yeah she's probably fucking guilty let's just slap all the stuff on Mm. that that made her seem guilty one of those things you said HIV one of those things was uh, she she was like uh, being portrayed as Foxy Noxy from her dating profile she had online but they told her in the hospital in the prison that she may have HIV so they asked her to write a diary of her sexual history mm. and that diary was almost immediately leaked to Nick Pisa yeah. and the rest of the press at large and they, they published the whole thing like a 20 year old girl who has a healthy sexual you know ex- yeah. expression of her sexuality up to that point and has openly like 
put it uh, uh, entered into her diary any of the the partners she has been with. Yeah, and then that to be basically blasted all over the world for for a personal health check and also like a safety check for anybody who's in the prison with her. That's it's like so many breaches of confidentiality there. That's so wrong. Yeah. Like it's it's a honeypot essentially. Yeah. It was re- it was just to, to to another another front page story and to Amanda Knox not unlike Le- Patrick Lumumba like a yoke on the front page would have her name tarnished forever. Mm. Like she's still fighting that even though like the Supreme Court has said that she's innocent she's still fighting people going nah I think you're guilty still but to me because of mm, those perceptions that were created by the media to me that just says if they're willing to to do that why aren't they willing to do that yeah to say anything about anybody yeah like it doesn't it just makes me further doubt the narrative that the police came up with it doesn't make me doubt Amanda Knox and this is the same kind of seed of doubt that people are being planted with the likes of Harvey Weinstein or Kevin Spacey like topical to, well i mean the, the 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 stuff about kevin spacey i find the coverage is is flaccid if you want to excuse the pun like mm. flaccid coverage because it's like he 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 sexually is like sexually assaulted rap at 14 mm. and when confronted with it he goes oh no it's because i was gay and he was a good looking boy and you're like oh oh okay then Hi, wait, no, 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 no. Hang on a second. He was 14, man. Like that kind of stuff, how it's portrayed. You have people paid hundreds of thousands, if not millions, PR, PR, like to specialists to be able to take something as, as disgusting and, you know, career ending as a, a an accused pedophilic, uh, you know, sexual assault. And turn it into like people giving you slaps on the back for finally coming out as gay. Like, good, good man yourself. And, and then you have Amanda Knox, who, you know. Normal sexuality, normal norm- sexual activity. Yeah, like like typical. Yeah, maybe up the bum. But that's normal too. Like, there's and nothing she's wrong with that. And she's been, um, basically, she's been lied to, to get her sexual history for, yeah. for nefarious purposes. Like, not necessarily even even for the police. It's yeah. for more for the press, it seems. It's more for the prison safety, it seems. Like, that's what they sold it to her as. You're in hospital. You might. They said you might have HIV. We can't do a test on you. You may give us all your... Give us all your sexual history. But like they didn't even but, say you have it or but not. But then, in that case, it seems like everybody's grabbing their pitchforks and it's a scene from The Simpsons. Yeah. That's it, like... It seems it seems very weird that Nick Pease has a lot to answer for, man. He does. He was really romanticizing the story as like, a, like you know a brilliant love star-crossed lovers, uh, you know, in a sexy threesome, uh, taking all the footage and taking all the pictures of the crime scene, like we talked about these lads going in and out. But right beside that, like juxtaposed to Meredith Kircher's dead body on one side of the page, on the other side of the page, it's like two murderous lovers in an embrace of you know deathly collusion as as these two people stand outside their apartment like she's outside her yeah. apartment where her roommate Getting has been comforted by her murdered, boyfriend and he's given her a hug yeah. and then they have a little kiss and she's looking up at him going what have we done but not she's not like racked with guilt or she's not roaring crying in like but i think that was a problem for the italians but sure look at that she wasn't roaring crying she knew the girl for like two weeks i know and also i think she has a personality that doesn't lend itself to extreme passion yeah but in the documentary she wasn't too effusive about her feelings a, and emotions in any it. way because i just don't think it's part of her personality yeah. but the italians couldn't cope with that they saw it as an admission of guilt yeah because she wasn't wailing and crying yeah, and boxing herself because she wasn't thumping her 
But at other points, the police were leaking out to the media. For example, uh, when she was being interrogated, uh, McNeeny talks about... Uh, the, the knives thing when 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 she he's showing her that so she freaks out she starts boxing herself in the ears and in the head and he's like i know from my uh you know criminal profile uh, class and that, that i did uh, 35 years ago <laughs> this uh, boxing herself in the ears is 100 percent uh, admission of guilt we call it uh, the ears of the truth in italian is the go up say it's like the ears of truth you know you box yourself because you don't want to hear yourself confess to the crime it's a very ancient uh, tradition but like i i would actually love to see um some research done on you know what happens to people when they're um questioned and questioned and questioned and questioned and given false information like you might have HIV, like your boyfriend has just dubbed you in, like you were arranging to meet your boss, tell us the truth, you know, and and with hunger and uh, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours hours of of that kind of stuff. What the human condition is willing to do to get out of that situation? I'm sure the CIA have done loads of those types of experiments, but maybe not written anything down because most of it was against the Geneva Convention, against like cruelty and torture. But, but I'm but, sure they've done it. But so so how wanna, can somebody say if you want to get information out of somebody, you know, that thing where you where you, you put somebody, tie them to a, a post and then put bamboo shoots under where they are and tie their legs to the ground and wait for the bamboo to grow up their arsehole because it grows in 48 hours. So if you feel there's bamboo growing through your arse into your arsehole and into your guts. You're going to fucking tell somebody like you're going to tell what they want to know, whether you know it or not. But my point is, if you want people to admit something, mm. how 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 long do you have to, you know, go at somebody yeah. who doesn't know any better? Like, I think now we've seen enough crime shows to know, don't ever say anything. Never say nothing to the cops. Never. Yeah. Ever. The, 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 the Miranda rights. When you when they say like anything you say can be held, can and will be held against you in the court of law, even if you say something that's positive towards your freedom, it can still be turned around because if you then, in any slight variation, refute that information, you're you're painting yourself to the jury as somebody who may or not may not be lying. Uh, Your Honor, he said he was at the the sack of suds at two o four p.m. and from the cameras from the security camera, we find he was there two o nine. What can happen in five minutes, Your Honor? A murder? Like, mm. uh, that kind of stuff only leads to bad things. Yeah. And McNeeny was making these huge leaps, like, uh, uh, saying putting the blanket over the body was something only a woman could do. That's and then, then irrefutable oh, only, only a woman can do on the front yeah, of the fucking paper. I know. Because he said it. Like, that's the patriarchy. No, mm. it's not. That's, like complete subjective information yeah. made, made it's dressed actually, up as fact it's actually um, a, a tiny bit it's about 1% of a of a, an FBI profile that he just skewed yeah the thing is man woman or child could cover somebody who's dead with a blanket and all it means is is shame it, it means um, remorse that's yeah. all it means yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that they're female yeah well she was on she wasn't even on the bed she was on the floor to the right hand side of the bed and they pulled the duvet off and covered her. I don't know, like, um, was it purposefully covered or did it fall off and cover her over? It like, may is that, have. But the whole point is that... He may have been McNeeny, using a corner of it to wipe his arse. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why he didn't wipe his arse. Or how you get, like, if you're going to flee to Germany, you want to have a shitty hole. Do you know what I mean? Um, welcome to Germany. Passport. And uh, show me your anus. Wait yeah. a minute, Mr. Greta. 
you've got the shitty bomb. Uh, he, McNeely publicly painted Knox as a, quote, seducer of men and a succubus who could control men using her sexual wiles. Now, I don't know how many 20-year-old girls are out there, but anyone who's over 20, think back to how good your sexual wiles were when you were 20. I mean, I think at the best of times, you could wear a push-up bra and a small yeah. top and get a few drinks. You I, know, think, I think, look, look really at the guy good, she was with. Yeah. If she had that many sexual wiles, I'm sorry, Raphael, but uh, I think she could have done better than that if, if, well, her, if her wiles were that wily. Uh, I think Raphael was glad of it. He was glad of a bit. He said that he was like a fat teenager who had no friends and mm. he was a bit of a loner. And he lived in a part of Italy that was pretty remote. Like he was like... He was in the Idaho of of Italy, you know, and I was kind but of just a lot of country and real slow living. Uh, there wasn't a lot of mad shit going on. It's not like living in the middle of, you know, Madrid or uh, uh, Milan or something like that. It's like, you know, you're out in a fucking... But also what I think people conveniently forgot was that um, Amanda Knox was in America was pretty standard looking. Yeah. But, but in, in Italy, Italy. <laughs> she stood out. Yeah. She was, you know, different, different colouring, different. She was, um, you know, exotic yeah. looking. So this was her time yeah, to be. I'm, f- I'm fed up with these massive breasted, like uh, uh, perfectly tanned skinned, big brown eyed brunette beauties. I, I, I want like a, a skinny, pointy, blondie girl. With blue eyes. <laughs> blue eyes. It doesn't, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I think Raphael and herself were both probably at the green. same, yeah, a bit, a bit the same level of, of kind of low self-esteem, you know, kind of going, this is my time to yeah. make it. And she's still, like 10 years later, still in the documentary says, and we were making love and blah, blah, blah. Like, she wasn't like, and we were riding out the back, you know, no. like it was, it was he, still romantic he, for her. He was basically rotten on top of me. <laughs> He was hot and into me. And I was like, will you fucking give up screaming, Mary, that you're ruining the moment? He was riding me like I was stolen. <laughs> and she was riding him like the door was closed and he <laughs> ran out the window. Uh, <laughs> one of the quotes from McNeeny, I thought after they got away, really t- like tells to his character and uh, kind of sums him up, really. Uh, he, he said, if they are guilty... And earthly justice doesn't get to them. I hope they own their guilt because I know life ends with a final trial. A trial with no appeals, no second chances and no revisions. Like he's real, like holy God. He's I'm, what I would describe as an unchristian Christian. Yeah. He's all ego. Yeah. He's making a big show, going and lighting his candles and saying his prayers. Yeah. And yet there's zero self-awareness. The big man around town. And man. zero questions about... <laughs> Am I doing a good job? Is there anything I could do better? Yeah. No, he he believes in good versus evil. You're either good or you're evil. And he said he made a judgment about her when she was boxing her ears after the knives. Not, he looked at all the evidence and surmised, yeah, she's guilty. He went, I'm judging you now. You were, you're too sexy. That's it. 99.72% of what he said was absolute conjecture. That's, that's a great stat. Yeah, that's, that's that's accurate. It took me a while. It was about two weeks coming up with that. But it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. As most statistics are. Every word. Uh, yeah, it was just like that coupled with the media coverage. So Nick Pisa, an awfully smug cunt, to be fair to him. 
on the on the Smoke, documentary. But so uh, stupid. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think not stupid, but like uh, consciously unaware. I I would I would call it the way he talked mm. in that documentary. If you were taking it on one level, you're like, it, it, this lad knows it's not a documentary about him, right? Like he's just talking about him and how great he is. Like about a Michael Scott. Story. Was he a Michael Scott? Kind of a Michael Scott. Uh, like it's the, an insult to Michael Scott. <laughs> the guys in the documentary were kind of like, so tell us the story. Like, like you you got the you got the information and then you put it out. He's like, yeah, I'm fucking booming, isn't it? Oh, I'll put it out on the paper. It's fucking. I got so many front pages. I got loads of Wonga. Like <laughs> he was, it was real, like proud. And people Wonga. were all, yeah, people were. All, it's a British word for money. People were all like, uh, dude. <laughs> hold on a second this girl is innocent and in dozens of front page stories you painted her out to be a sex crazed maniac he's like yeah got loads of dust for that and you're like no listen you were instrumental in her being unjustly incarcerated for f- more than four years because you wrote all those stories that made the front page like you're like dude you're not getting this now I yeah. think he was the Italian of, correspondent. He could speak Italian. Yeah, so he wasn't this a gum. This was his time to... No, I think he was a gum. I think he just happened to have an Italian parent. And <laughs> he probably inherited the house, so he's living in Italy, and he was yeah. the quote-unquote Italian correspondent who had, had nothing but a few, couple of obits yeah. in the previous 10 years. And then all of a sudden, he was the, he was the king. I'm and making, he was just like, and he the way he justified it to himself because he said it on the documentary was, if I didn't get in there first, somebody else was going to do it anyway. Yeah. So that's basically going. Look, we were all making up stories. Yeah, but it didn't. Like he didn't need to make up. He says he was so proud that he that he came up with all of these like catchy headlines and all the nicknames like Foxy, Foxy Noxy and all this. Like he he was saying, I'm proud that I did that. And as you're watching the documentary, you're like, oh, you want to throw this mug at the fucking But telly. also alluded to the fact that sometimes when there was loads and loads and loads of press outside trying to get a story, he was about one being invited in as like Minini's like, like, you know, press representative, probably because he spoke Italian. But so he was literally getting it from the horse's mouth of yeah. the police officers. Yeah. So I can well imagine that he's like, I didn't do nothing to Amanda Knox. They did. I was just reporting. I'm sure he could sleep at night, absolutely. Yeah. On these big giant but pillow like, full of money. But still a dope. Yeah. I, I think it was a, a trial of public opinion, uh, mm. as some of these are, like, uh, you know, the Menendez brothers, OJ. Yeah. Uh, You're guilty. Now to find the evidence. Yes. This kind of stuff, like Stephen Avery and mm. uh, the, the West Memphis Tree and some of the other ones that we've done here. It is kind of like a, a no, there's a no win possibility for the people that are accused because no matter what there will be corruption in the police there will be you know some mm. somebody's pride is on 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 the stake like uh, uh mcnini couldn't lose couldn't fucking lose and they kept on going to appeal it kept on going to appeal even even after we're thrown in the court and there is some like emotional coverage uh when they're reading out the verdicts and stuff and like in the court at the start like amanda locks is, is looking around and she's kind of like smiling at people and giving an old wink or whatever and then the second time she comes out like a year and a half later she's like i'm totally fucked and she's not like how yeah like just dead eyes and then after four years they're coming out for the final thing and she's like i'm dead inside fuck this shit yeah i got that impression from the documentary as she's well just dead she, inside. she doesn't have the same innocence that no. she had four years at that point knowing that you're sitting in jail when there's another dude like Guedes, like he was in jail on t- for nine years. Yeah, 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And uh, one of the other things that was that aided the trial of public opinion uh, was a semi-fictional book by Fiorzina Sarzanini. Oh, Fiorzina. Yeah. Uh, these were about the murders, positing different theories and different narratives. So she wrote like, and then he broke through the window and came into the bedroom, like all of these things, right? And this was based on what evidence was found and what was released to the public through the likes of Nick Pisa, including the HIV diary, which was handed like basically straight to him. Yeah, like right? I'm surprised they didn't pay for his photocopying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, these included like the book of non, like semi-fictional murder stories, included police reports that weren't available to the public that uh, Sarzanini managed to get her hands on. Yeah. And uh, excerpts from, like, written photocopied excerpts in the book from Knox's diary. So you're like, whatever freedom of information shit you have, it's almost better than, you know, the national, the, yeah. the national priority associated press that was looking for that stuff. Like, where did this come from? Huge exposure in Italy. Like, it was a huge book in Italy. And it, it's, it, it, caused an unfair trial I think for Knox and Sledge though because so many people were reading it yeah going like yeah Perugia you fucking like stick there, it to the Americans there were masses of people every yeah. time she was back in court again protesting her, her freedom Ma- massive amounts of people going yeah. you know shame like, shame yeah. shame shame shouting that outside the courtroom yeah. and it's only a little courtroom yeah. that looks like uh, you know an old mill or something yeah. like that it's a real old courtroom uh, from 1308 it says uh, the thing the about it is the thing about it is is that like, I don't believe that herself and Raphael are either guilty or innocent. Yeah. I believe that what should have been a very straightforward piece of work by professionals was a joke. Yeah. And therefore, there wasn't a fair trial, which we are all, like, you would hope that, because anybody can end up being accused. Anybody can end up being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Being accused of something that they didn't do or did do. But you want... A trial where everything is done the way it's supposed to be done. You're yeah. interviewed fairly. You're not coerced. You're, the evidence is looked at appropriately. It's treated like appropriately. Yeah. You know, it's collected. It's, you know, not put in a plastic bag that you, you've got your burgers in a few hours <laughs> earlier. Um. And if you don't have that, if you haven't been afforded those rights, then absolutely you shouldn't, you, you should be able to go free because nothing about that trial convinced me without, beyond a reasonable doubt, that either of those two people were guilty. Exactly. Now, the fact that, you know, these, those people were going in with their lawyers that they were, I, I presume, paid a pretty penny to try and keep yeah. them out of jail, right? Uh, like anyone that's in that situation, when you're sitting there, like if it was me, like you're hoping, if you're the accused, you're hoping that the other lads have made a mistake if you're guilty. Because if you're guilty and you're sitting oh, there yeah. and you've hired your defense, like nobody is going to go in and go, you know, yeah, I'm guilty, your honor, and go down for the full amount. Well, unless, think- unless they're convinced beforehand that it's like, look, man, here's all the evidence. They give it to their lawyers and they go, look, lawyers, there's no way you're going to win this. You can take your you can take your lumps plead guilty the judge will have lenience on you and you won't do 30 years you'll do like 18 let's say right 
and they'll offer them a deal and they go okay i'm guilty and it stops the whole trial process and it's all done if they say not guilty it'll go to trial and then the prosecution goes you made us go to trial we're going to fucking put everything on you you're going away for life like so that that point if you are actually guilty and you've said not guilty you are just hoping that you know that you've cleaned up or you know that like, something was done like in the OJ trial when, exactly. well, when the prosecutor that he's guilty, got a really yeah. bad perm. Exactly. Massive mistake. Exactly. Or the fact that they found uh, a racist cop to be able to say the N-word on tape somewhere. Yeah. You know, that and the perm got OJ Done. off. Done. Forget about the glove. That was just the cherry, yeah. the cherry on top. Cherry on top. So it was, it was a thing of like OJ was sitting there. If he was guilty, was just hoping like, oh, come in with a perm. Just come in with some rotten hair and I'll get off. And she did. And he was like, yes. Like Johnny Cochran yeah. was fucking dancing. Yeah. In the courtroom, dancing He's when like, that fella said the She's not going to win. She ugly. <laughs> when that fella said, the, when that cop said the N-word, man, Johnny Cochran was fucking giving it the shoulder shakes. Like, Must have quit. Like he was delighted, right? Mm. And if Amanda Knox is guilty and she's sitting there going I hope they make a mistake when that contaminated evidence came out she was just like rubbing her hands now on the other hand if she's innocent and knows absolutely she's innocent she's sitting there going jeez I hope my guys don't make a mistake yeah because it's easily possible like justice is a really weird thing especially in a court situation where you could still go down for a crime you haven't committed look at the A-team like you could still go down for it if your dudes don't do the right stuff or if the prosecution are good enough and they know like there's no prosecution with a moral compass who are going to go well we have no other suspects and we know you didn't do it because you know look at look at you like you couldn't have done it so i mean we're we're just going to let you off they're not going to do that they want a conviction so they're going to go whatever you're but going that down. needs to be looked at. It surely does, absolutely. But that's not how like it's done. Like better get somebody than nobody. Yeah. Isn't it mental? So they already had Goethe in jail. He was already done, though. And he was changing his story the whole time. Like, we know he's involved in the murder. Uh, his fingerprints and footprints and DNA are all over the scene. What was he doing in the house? Was he robbing it? How come there's, there's like, there's blood traveled from the bedroom to the bathroom? There's blood in the sink. That means he must have went to the bathroom after he committed the he murder and done a poop. He was an own burglar. But again, I go back to, mm. like, I lived in a small city that was a lot bigger than this spot in Italy. Um, and and I was known, because I was the only Irish girl in the whole city, yeah. of like 60,000 people. So I don't mean like I was famous. No, I know. I I've mean, had a similar thing when I lived in Estonia. Yeah, like you go places known. and you look different. And, and that you act Meredith, different. Meredith was a beautiful looking girl. Yeah. Stunning. Looked quite Italian though, to be fair. She did, but she was stunning. Yeah. And and with the English accent and whatever. <sighs> this guy was Dutch. They might have even had a conversation in a bar where he tried to chat her up and she was like, mm, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. And he was able to speak English. Or maybe he just had an eye going, them Americans, I bet you they have a laptop or something in the house. Like, them Americans always have something going he on. He was a known burglar. Yeah. Like, I think he's he had so an eye much on the a house. better fit. Yeah. And his DNA was everywhere. Well, his DNA was everywhere, but his story changed so many times, yeah. which makes him, like, uber suspicious. Uh, he, he he said he went to the to see Meredith for a prearranged date. And you know what? Before you go out on a date, you want to drop a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> 
So you're not, you know, you're not under pressure. I thought it was another thing on like the, on there's something about Mary. <laughs> well, that too. There's DNA everywhere. So it's both. But well, before, before. What if you can't find the poo, yeah. but you can find the jizz? You have a, you have a blumpy. <laughs> which, no, I'm not going to describe what that is. You can look it up on the Urban Dictionary. No, thanks. Um, he, he, he said, his story is, I was having a poo before my date and I heard a scream and a bit of a struggle. And he said he finished up what he was doing, not wipe, didn't wipe. And then he went in and he found Meredith dying and he tried to save her. And that's why his DNA and all the stuff in the blood. He went out to the sink in the bathroom uh, when he couldn't. He locked the door and jumped out the window. <laughs> why are you ruining R- Rudy's story? Sorry. Rudy's trying to get away with this I'm thing and you're all like so awkward. pulling it apart like an old jumper. Or maybe he didn't want to use the toilet paper in the toilet so then he wiped his arse and threw the toilet paper out the window. Maybe he was so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah, that he that, that, that he had to lock the door. He Like she came in and found he, that there was no toilet paper left so he was so embarrassed he had to stab her to death. Like, and that's then totally wiped legal. his arse on the duvet. Yeah. Uh, he, he said that he was doing a poo, he heard a scream and then he went in and found her dying. Held her, held her, tried to be like, oh, you're fucking full of holes. Went, obviously went back into the bathroom to try and get some water from the sink or something like wash his hands. And he thought, I'm going to get blamed for this shit. So he ran and ran to Germany. But he locked the bedroom door and broke the window on the way out. Instead of leaving through the front door. Maybe he heard someone coming in through the front door or there was the murderer was still in the front sitting room. So when he went into the batch, he went into the bedroom where Meredith was. He didn't want to go out that way in case he was confronted by the murderer. That's very implausible. Isn't it? Isn't it just right? We know this is this is according to the facts, right? The facts we know more than one person attacked Meredith. This is what the court says, right? She had no defensive wounds, but she had restraint bruises on her wrists, elbows and face. So someone was holding her and someone was holding a knife up to her face because there was little cuts on her chin, little cuts on her neck. But how and did one they the know that they face. were concurrent? Yeah, that's that's that. Well, I mean, I, I don't like he could have been holding often. her and later holding a knife up. Possibly. Uh, she was dressed. She was awake and standing during the attack, but she didn't defend herself. There's no defensive marks like where you put up your arm to stop a knife swipe and you get like or there was no like uh, scratching usually to find the, the skin uh, underneath the nails of the of the, the deceased. She didn't have any of that crack, right? Her bra was only removed after she had been killed in a forceful manner enough to break the clasp, which was found 46 days later. Right? Was it not found in the kitchen though? Or the bra, the, the bra the clasp. Room? Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was. Maybe no. it was found in the bedroom. No. And Rafael Selecito's DNA was on it, including two other men's DNA on it. But they couldn't identify those two men. Could have been some of the lads who were investigating the house. Could have been the two lads that held her down and caught her up. Couldn't find out who it was. Didn't have anyone to, to match it to. Right? So how do we even know that Rudy operates alone? He's in Germany at the time he told this story he didn't want to get anybody else in trouble and didn't he have a friend well, who cooperated with the police and rang him while he was in Germany trying to encourage him to come back who's that friend who is that friend mm, where are you uh, the footprints in Meredith's blood that police discovered in the room that had been cleaned with bleach right 
showed Rudy Guedes' footprints going directly from Meredith's room out the front door running. So who broke the, the window? Hmm. So Rudy Guedes, his story of, I was having a shit and I heard a scream and then I went in, saw her and went, fuck this, I'm outie and ran out the door. Kind of sounds plausible. Kind of. But, but the- who came back and cleaned up the, his, his footprints with bleach then. Because those bloody footprints belonged to Rudy Guede. So someone came afterwards. But if they were cleaned, how did they know they were there? Because they had the bleach stains when they went to look for the stuff. There was, they were bleached out of the out of the floor. Like There was bleach on the floor where the footprints were. But how did they know if it was... Because there was residue ble- left in the blood. But how the did they know if they were bleached? How did they know they were his footprints? Because they matched the size and shape of his feet. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a small American woman's footprints. But it also could have been another person who had could the same been. size shoes. Could have been. That's but they say, they say they're Rudy Guedes footprints. I don't know. I find that, w- along with the rest of their evidence, I find mm. that questionable. Uh, there was a footprint found on the bathroom mat that was a, a very similar size to Rafael Selecito and his, and his footwear. Uh, others like it and bare footprints similar to Amanda Knox's were found in the room where the break-in and robbery and robbery was staged and in the bathroom. So, Raphael and Amanda say that they were in his apartment all night. Amanda comes back, has a shower, sees a shit in the toilet, doesn't flush it, leaves again, goes back to Raphael's, phones are off at this point the whole time. So there was no communication between the two of them, so they must have been together, I guess, right? And in the apartment, there's footprints through blood and other DNA stuff that match the size and shape of Rudy, Raphael and Amanda. Except Rudy's were bleached away and Amanda's and Raphael's were not. That's weird, isn't it? Yes. If you think they are indeed Raphael's and Amanda's. But why bleach away Rudy's ones? Like, that narrative doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. So when you're putting that evidence, in quote-unquote evidence, to a jury and giving them a narrative of Raphael, Rudy, and Amanda together were having a threesome and Meredith didn't like it. So they started doing sexy stuff to her and then it got too far and they stabbed her to death. And and then Rudy went, I can't be here. I I have a burglary. I've got priors. i got to go. And Amanda went, we can fix this. No one's going to jail for this shit. And she bleached away Rudy's footprints because he was already a criminal. They said, oh, we'll just stay in our house. Uh, we'll just go over to your house, Raphael, and say we weren't here and someone broke in. Ooh. So we won't get in trouble because our footprints, you know, they're, they're, we could be anywhere in the house. We live here. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like such a flimsy narrative to put together, but yet you can't explain away the footprints in the apartment. That would, that would, that would be what would lean me against the guilt of, of Raphael and Amanda. I think that footprints are questionable particularly when they have been washed away with bleach yeah yeah. i think that's not evidence that's a lack of evidence also when did they gather those those footprints was it after a 50 cops had tromped through the whole place and all that stuff yeah i just find that all very very just like yeah as soon as the integrity of the crime scene was destroyed all of that stuff goes out the window that's like making a murder they went back they went back they went back and finally they found the evidence they were looking for behind the thing where they dropped it yeah Yeah. like it just sounds like Mm. you know they wanted to find what they wanted to find and they you know and also with that many people going in and out from day one from from hour one from when her body was discovered 
how can you possibly say, oh, this is this set of footprints yeah. and this is this set of footprints in a house with probably lino and carpet? Yeah. Here's one for you then. In the bathroom sink, there was a <laughs> mixture of both Meredith and Amanda's blood. The Not one that surprising she said, if they both brush their teeth every night. Okay. Gum disease. Corsadil. Get on it. Arm and hammer. Stop the bleeding. Make your smile. Perfect. And also get away with murder. Uh, I, I bleed every time I brush my teeth. Uh, we'll get that checked. I have mouthwash upstairs. You can. I have mouthwash. I use mouthwash on a daily basis. Also, I have to make an appointment with the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> just, just doing my must remember. <laughs> no, no to self. Okay, yeah. Case. There's bloody footprints all over here, Claire. What's the crack? She's like, sorry, I was cleaning my teeth. Gorda's girlfriend's blood was everywhere in the sink <laughs> from brushing her teeth on a daily basis. Uh, okay, here's the knife then. The knife recovered from Raphael's apartment because it wasn't at the murder scene. Like, ugh, where does this come from? This had Meredith's DNA on it, but it was proven later on that the DNA was like bare touch DNA. Now, I've seen you, Claire, bring multiple kitchen utensils for the lovely listener uh claire love of my life you know the, the light light of my eye right she loves to take food on tour around the country so we'll buy some food we put it in the fridge mm, and then when we're almost gone off <laughs> yeah she can't let it go uh like some kind I of weird waste some kind Not of weird, weird hoarding hobo like traveling I hate waste so she gets a bag and puts all the food from our fridge into it and then puts it in a car in a hot car and then drives not always hot we live in Ireland and then drives across the country uh, and then we'll take it out but there's also like utensils like oh I'm I'm going to my mother's and there's no good knife to cut that cheese I'll bring our knife like our knives have done almost more traveling than we have that's why as soon as I heard the story about the knife you were like, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. All. She went she over to... A, she brought, she went over there. smoked she, apple yeah, exactly, wood. Exactly, exactly. It's nice, a nice mozzarella. She got a sausage and she got a bit of meat and made a little charcuterie. She made a bit of bruschetta. Yeah. Like, and, you're in the place for it. And uh, and she had, like, he had no good knife. I mean, he didn't even wash his shower. Yeah. So... He probably had like I a fork very for like, pot noodles. I, I'm, I'm, you know, support Amanda Knox. Yeah. Support Amanda Knox. I'm not. But it seems so I flimsy that you can't accuse her. I just haven't been convinced. Yeah, yeah. I hear it. Um, a witness that was working at a local supermarket confirmed that they saw Amanda outside waiting for it to open the morning after the murder. For bleach? Oh, maybe for Corsadil to stop her gums bleeding. Uh, the witness said that she bought cleaning supplies. And Amanda and Raphael said that they were asleep in his apartment at that time. So is this witness lying? Uh, his phone had been turned off, but it received a text an hour before the witness statement occurred. And many hours before that, they told police that they had woken and returned to the student house that Raphael was staying in. So where, like where, where does the truth lie there? There's a witness that said that she's outside the supermarket buying clean supplies and then the place gets bleached. Right. Raphael says she was with me the whole time, but an hour before, early in the fucking morning, they were supposed to be two lying side by side beside each other. So the phones get turned on for a minute. A text goes through from Amanda to Raphael. Phones get turned off again. And then an hour later, she's outside the supermarket. So the narrative there would be she's in the house. That 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 takes all the guilt away from Raphael. And he wasn't part of it at all. He's in his own house. She's at, the, at her house. She kills Meredith. Then goes, fuck, I've done this. 
turns on her phone. Hey, Raphael, I'm after I'm after fucking killing Meredith. I have to go down to the supermarket and get some cleaning supplies. And then he's like, okay. Like, not a bother off of him. Like, where, where, where does that fit into it? That's the only narrative that I would... I, I would have questioned. I'm currently reading The Psychopath Test by John Ranson. And you, right, tell us about that. And, like, I suppose the one question that has popped into my mind, because I was researching Amanda Knox and reading the book at the same time, was that, was the issue that the Italians had with Amanda Knox and the lack of, we'll say, empathy, the lack of emotion that would be expected um, in a situation like that even if she didn't know the girl who died very well but like she was sharing a house with her and the girl was now murdered so even in terms of fear like that could have happened me yeah fear would shut you down emotionally though you would expect it it may yeah you know it may shock and you know whatever it, it is I suppose one thing that could be positive, one theory that could be positive would be that she just was like, I wonder what it's like to kill somebody. I'm in Italy. Probably get away with it. Blame it on somebody else. Might give my housemate a go. And. Just try it. Like Just, yeah. Could that be a possibility? Is that something a psychopath would do? Has it been done before? Yeah. Is there? Yeah. I mean, it's plausible. Yeah. Not possible. I, I don't think it happened. No. It doesn't it, seem... But, like, from all the evidence this here, yeah. It's a theory. You have to ask yourself, though, right, if the accomplice or more than one killer thing, which is asserted by Magnini, to go, like, absolutely there was more than one person involved. The bruises, the cuts... Ab- absolutely it was a woman because she covered her. Yeah, well, absolutely it was somebody it was somebody, uh, somebody else involved, right? Why would Rudy Guedes other like mystery accomplices be it Amanda and Raphael or not why would they have stayed to move the body cover it with a duvet clean the murder scene stage the robbery all knowing that at any point somebody could come home because somebody was away for the night and there's another person living there it's coming up to morning time the time that she's supposed to be back at like you know nine o'clock in the morning you start your day you get up it's all this kind of stuff mm. so there's lads like at seven in the morning raping and murdering murder culture and then going and cleaning up the whole murder scene. And at any point, if it wasn't Amanda and Raphael, at any point, the people who actually lived there could walk in. They were putting themselves in that's, danger that's of another never... mur- having to do another murder, right? And mm. then these guys took Meredith's mobile phones, locked all the doors behind them with the keys of the house, and then threw Meredith's mobile phones into a nearby garden. Like... How did they have the keys to lock up the house? How did they have the keys to lock the bedroom doors? How did they have, you know, like unless you're you're saying like he locked the bedroom door from the inside and broke out through the window. How do you know they didn't, there wasn't somebody that had the key from the outside that was, that locked it, you know, and took the key with them that already had the key. And the people yeah, who I have the key are the people that lived there. Yeah, I just didn't know why the window was broken the wrong way around. Yeah, but it seems like the window was broken and the door were locked. It's like a classic like locked room mystery. Like how did he die? It was an icicle and it melted, you know, this kind of stuff. Like, it doesn't make sense that Rudy did that on his own. And if he had done it with anybody else, it had to have been the people that lived there because they were acting in a way that they knew the area, they knew they had keys of the house, I don't they knew think the so. timetable I, of the people that were moving. All you had to do moving. was rob Meredith's keys. Yeah. All you had to do was take them off her. You cracked the you case. You just needed somebody else. You really don't believe it was them, right? 
I my problem is is that with the way the evidence was handled and the case was handled, you cannot possibly point really to anybody, including Rudy. You can't point to anybody and say categorically it was you. Yeah. Because why, it why was is, such a bad job. Like, I don't why believe. Is why is so when somebody gives me a piece of evidence like like the feet, the footprints, I'm like, I don't believe that because it was like, like yeah, they also said the knife that was in Raphael's house had DNA from Mary. Of course it did. Like that's completely it's a, it's a possible. Knife from her house. Yeah, but I mean, why did why is Rudy? Why is his story changing? Why did he run to Germany? And why was there never any like plausible innocent Why narrative given DNA for his side? Why was his DNA all around the house? How did he do a poo in the toilet and leave it there? Yeah. Like, what was he actually doing there? The only person that knows that is Brown Bread. Yeah. So he could say we were meant to have a date. I was doing the shit beforehand. Like it doesn't. How did how how did him doing a shite? have enough time for somebody to come in and torture her and put bruises on her arms and all that stuff. You see, I have a problem with... She was dressed... When the police have a narrative first. Yeah. When they start off with the narrative, like just from... Which they did, essentially. Then what what often happens is like... It happened in Making a Murder as well. You have their narrative and they're so convinced of it that when they hear a fact... That doesn't gel with their narrative. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. So they contradict you until Cognitive you say dissonance, that's called. the thing, the thing that they want to hear. Yeah. So I'm not surprised that people change their stories loads of times, and I'm not surprised that they accuse people they didn't mean to accuse. I think they were like that's part of the police not doing the job properly, in my opinion. Yeah, and it was a, a shocking, you know, a shocking effort by the by the local police in Perugia and the the. The crime, murder right. crime scene investigation crime, crime. Crime. really really poor but does that mean that a murderer gets away if it wasn't Rudy and it wasn't Amanda and it wasn't Raphael it does it means a murderer gets away because they didn't do the job properly yeah same with Stephen Avery yeah I think yeah well six years after the murder and two years after the first innocent verdict on some circumstantial evidence uh, and, and basically her behaviour and demeanour and what the press said about her uh the Supreme Court of Appeals was given this case. Now, six years after, she'd already been acquitted. Magnini's putting out all this stank about her being, you know, a sex maniac. Stanky. And uh, it had already gone to the high court out of this small court in Perugia, gone to the high court. And she was she was on the on the block again. Like this was she was in America. She could be extradited for this murder if the Supreme Court turned over all the stuff and said, No, nah, you gotta come back, you gotta come back. Like six years. She was already in jail for four. She was free for two, mm. shaking in her knickers mm. at home in Seattle, going, Oh, I might I might still go down for this. And you know, there's triumphant jubilant scenes at the end of the documentary where they're all like and not guilty and everyone's like yeah she rings she rings uh, Raphael and she's like we got away with it and it's um, you know it's it's you're know, uplifting but at the same time still troublesome and worrisome that a whole country's legal system hinged on like one man's pride and a whole town's worth of police's incompetence like the whole Italian legal system was in question there like that's yeah. a you know, it was the OJ of the time or whatever. I know she wasn't a celebrity or anything like that, but it was just, just one of those weird ones that you're kind of, you can't, you can't, I can't put it to bed in my head, you know. I don't know if she's guilty or innocent. And Yeah, the, but sometimes you don't get to know. The documentary is really well put together because it leaves you going, was she guilty or innocent? Even though it kind of was a whole innocence propaganda documentary. I've seen stuff online that have contradicted that. Like, 
Oh no, I wouldn't really be convinced of her innocence at the end of the documentary. The I would thing. I would recommend that documentary to anybody who yeah. has an interest in crime stuff. Absolutely. Because you don't know, but it's that's mental. the point. You don't know because of the way it was dealt with. Yeah. And the uh, the empirical evidence of the scene while at the start is kind of given to you like and this is what happened and this is what happened and this is what happened when you find out that it all falls apart like wet paper you're like ah oh, for fuck's how the mm. fuck are we supposed to you can nearly and I know this is bad but you can nearly kind of go with the prosecution and go yeah lads I mean if it was me and I needed a conviction I'd do the same shit like it's nearly all there I mean it's nearly all there that frightens the shit out of me because how how many places like I've been in a situation where someone was bleeding yeah from from harm done to them mm and not by you clearly. not by me and like i'm walking into this situation mm. and i'm going uh pulling a rudy on it and going should i just run away because if something bad happens now there's nobody else here to say that i didn't do this like that to me was going like fuck like it melted my head and at the time i just went you know what like honesty and integrity spurred me forward to just do the right thing and help out and just hope that like nothing else worse would happen and that like, when emergency services turned up that they believed me that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't me or that the person that it was being done to would not go like, yeah, he did it to me. Like there was a whole load of variables that could have went a completely different way there for me in that situation. And to be honest, there was nothing I could have done about it if it had. Mm. There was nothing I could have done about it. Like I had, you know, a bag of chips that I got in a chipper up the road. So maybe I could have been like, get that guy. He's a witness. I was with him until 15 minutes ago. Like, yeah. There's no way I could have done this shit. But I mean, does Rudy Guida have that thing? Like, where was he all night? Like, it, it, you know, if anyone's been in that position, you're going like, fuck, what do I do? Like y- your mind, like if you're a kind person or if you're a helpful person, you're going to go like, I want to help you. And mm. then you pick up the body and you try to do CPR and shit. And then the next thing you know, you got DNA all over you. Mm. And if you've ever touched a knife in that person's house before, like you could be the one that's going down for a murder. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, yeah, that's the that's situation. The scary part yeah, of that's looking the scary, at this case. Yeah. Like, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that like to make a reference to the, the psychopaths test again, it's like if you, you know, are in a situation where you go like check yourself into an insane asylum or, you know, a mental hospital and you say, you know one thing that makes you sound a bit insane apparently it's incredibly difficult to then convince people that you were sane yeah one piece of evidence could be your downfall so and and one lie i shot the clerk one i shot the clerk one lie told in panic and in or under you know very um psychologically challenging circumstances And then where, how do I come back from that? Because if I admit to the lie, it just makes me sound like a liar. So I have to yeah. keep going with this narrative, even and though then if, and then if you're the evidence out, doesn't support it. If you're caught out in the lie, then you will absolutely be strung up yeah. for it. So that's why you should never talk to the cops. Don't talk. Plead a fifth. Uh, Plead the fifth. Don't say anything. ask lawyer up. Lawyer up straight away. Um, yeah, it's such a weird case. The, yeah. the, the saddest and the most annoying part of it for me was Nick Pisa at the very end. When he's confronted with the question of like, why did you say all that mad shit? Like, she's innocent now. Why mm. did you say all that stuff? Like, painting her out to be guilty. Like, you're responsible for taking four years of her life. And he said, quote, what am I supposed to do? Double check stuff and let my rival get the scoop. That's not the news game. And you're like, you fucking slimy bastard. But it's not the news game. But news all, is about like this but, is in 2007 but news isn't police yeah. it isn't police work and that's the problem yeah. that in that situation and in making a murder and in many other situations 
the news and the police are like synonymous. Yeah. Like no because police officer. Need to know the but no police officer should be giving any evidence ever to the, in, to the press, in, yeah. in a in a press release. It should be we are looking at the evidence. But that's why they have all these if very strict jury rules where the jury are not allowed to be outside. Yeah, but that's a bit late after yeah. four years of somebody being in prison before yeah. they get to the jury. Yeah. You know. Like that should be at day one. We do not talk to anybody. We're looking for information. If you have any information, report it. Otherwise, we're not talking. But I think it's a mutually beneficial scenario where... It can be, but you need yeah. to be super careful. Yeah. You need to be Criminal Minds Bureau. And I'm sure places like with, with the with the Snowden leaks and stuff like that, they had like people who were qualified to look at those documents before they were released with The Guardian and Glenn Greenwald and all sorted that out. But I'm sure there's other information that goes out about a crime that's just good for paper sales. It's just good for... It's good for business. But for then let that be speculation from journalists. Let that not be supported by the local police yeah, force. It seems so fucking sketchy, man. Well, that's that's a man that knocks for mm. now. It leaves you with a like a like you've been sucking a penny. It's a fucking weird one. I'm going to yeah. put the documentary up on the VidMe channel. So you can go to vid.me slash those conspiracy guys and you can check it's that out. It's worth a watch, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be up on our website as well, thoseconspiracyguys.com. I'm trying to be real good with those documentaries that I promised and uh, YouTube acting a maggot over the last while has moved me Dirty over to VidMe. Yeah, tui. Uh, so VidMe are a really nice, uh, really nice crowd. It's nice to be there. Uh, there's a there's a few other good heads on it, but it's not uh, it's not YouTube level stuff yet. But all the stuff uh, uploads 1080p looks and sounds real nice. Uh, I had to change all the embeds in in Patreon and on the website to accommodate that. But yeah, we're we're well and truly moved over to VidMe, and there's loads of videos, and documentaries, uh, even all our episodes and appearances on uh, on radio and TV and stuff over there. So if you want to head over vid.me slash those conspiracy guys, we're also on all the social media. So hit a brother up, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, all of that crack. Uh, at T Conspiracy Guys on Twitter and those conspiracy guys and everything else. And don't forget, if you're a fan, get into the Discord. There are amazing people in there making great stuff, uh, loads of inside jokes, a bit of crack, and uh, it's 24 hours. It's like a 24-hour Those Conspiracy Guys digital chat room nightclub in there. Uh, we also have another show called Why Press Play. If you want to check that out anywhere that you might find a podcast, we also have a Twitch channel for that. It's twitch.tv slash play, where we're streaming PlayStation games, uh, old SNES and Mega Drive uh, uh, emulated games and stuff. And uh, we also have uh, some Steam games where we play along with the folks at home. So uh, Why Press Play is a, a, it's kind of a, a podcast that's taking the diamonds out of the rough and shining mm. them off and going, hey man, did you see that movie from 1984? Yeah. No, you should go watch it because it's, it's class. Because yeah. in this day and age, I think people are just going, there's no movies. Jaded. There's no movies. Yeah, a lot of reboots, a lot of, lot of lot something, of reboots something too. And a lot of like, you know, ba boom boom Yeah. And you come around to the cinema and you go, Ara, I could have done better myself. <laughs> just loads of but 80s like, and 90s films that so were, I was reared on. Absolutely. Uh, we've done some great ones like Monster Squad, uh, Highlander, Coach, Coach Carter. Carter. We did with Claire before. Uh, l- like loads of really good ones. Um, I'm not your teacher. I'm your basketball coach. <laughs> Favourite quote Jackson. ever. Uh, so go check out Why Press Play and, uh, you know, subscribe here. Tell your friends about it. And we'll be back with season six very shortly. I'm going to be doing a video and a season six primer this week. So keep an eye on the RSS feed here and whatever your, whatever podcast app you're listening to us in and you get all the rundown for that. There will be some crackers, some stonkers and some bangers uh, coming from season six, including uh, an episode on pedophiles, <gasps> an episode on the Mormons. Ooh. 
an episode on Egypt, an episode on Michael Jackson. Whoa. Yeah, there'll be loads of great stuff coming out. And uh, I won't tell you the big, massive, massive ones, but there's some real crackers uh, coming for the next uh, six or eight months. So season six is going to see us up till the end of May. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be going into season seven. And then in September, fingers crossed, Claire and I will be going to America on a giant adventure. <sighs> That's going to be a good crack, right? Yeah, it's going to be good fun. I'm getting all my uh, my ducks in a row. So if you want to help us out with that, uh, there there is an Indiegogo online. Uh, if not, a couple of euro. If not now, then very soon. Uh, even a dollar will help. If everybody who listens to this episode gives one dollar, one dollar, dollar we'll have bill. our entire Indiegogo sorted. Yeah. In four weeks... 70,000 people are going to listen to this. Yeah. And if you all give $1, totally sorted. If you don't want to do that, you can subscribe and get some extra content at patreon.com slash those conspiracy guys. Uh, this is for the super fans. You get extra content like uh, behind the scenes videos and vlogs that we do. Uh, I do whenever I go out on an outing. Uh, we do some uh, we do some video uh, some vlogging and stuff and you can you can find those ones we do secret episodes uh, there's like outtakes and episodes that we did that were kind of taken down there's also like early access to all the videos before they go out so we have a load of camp videos from our survival camping weekend it'll be up uh, on Patreon as well and uh, just loads of like secret behind the scenes stuff that not everybody would like but the uh, the fans really enjoy and we all get to have the crack and talk there as well you also get uh, access to uh, the live chats that we do online so when we uh, we do a live chat on appear.in uh, you, you get to you basically get the front row seats you get to come on the camera you get to do all that stuff and you get access to loads of different rooms in discord as well so uh, yeah thanks for listening uh, thanks very much, Claire, for talking about Amanda Knox. Thanks for having me. Um, I find it intriguing. Yeah, it's a crazy story. Mm. And we've talked a lot about this, like, privately between ourselves that they're watching the documentaries. Like, yeah. I, I really don't know. Amanda, if you're out there and you're wanting to do a, a, ch- a live chat, if you're listening to you know podcasts We're about listening. yourself, I, I, I would love to chat yeah. about it and ask you those questions. And I'm sure you've been asked them before. If not, you're grand. Like, I leave you alone. Yeah. Everyone should just leave you alone. And yeah. let you just also, I'd like to just mention Meredith, like she died yeah. horribly. That's the thing. And I think sometimes when we're talking about a crime, we forget yeah. that. I, so I, may, may she rest in peace. I find that like when we talk about uh, the, the Manson murders, mm. we don't call them the Tate LaBianca murders mm. we're talking about the oj simpson case we yeah. don't talk about uh, uh you know nicole brown simpson yeah and this is another one we don't talk about the murder of meredith kircher mm. we always say amanda knox yeah and that's you know what's important if it's the murder that's getting the do you know what i mean it's a fucking or it's a the shame. accused murder yeah, yeah accused murder it's a shame it is a shame so uh yeah so, that's that's so amanda it was knox. a beautiful young uh english lass who would just wanted to go to Italy and study for a year. So just, you know, let's just um, remember that. Remember that it was um, a very, you know, it was a sad, sad situation. Yeah. And, and we hope that she rests in peace. Yeah. And on that solemn note, <laughs> that's it for those conspiracy guys for this time. Uh, that's been Amanda Knox, one of the true crime stories. There's loads of true crime episodes, so go check them out if you like true crime and share it amongst your friends, you sick bastards. Uh, thanks thanks again to Claire for joining us. And, Thank uh, you, friends. We'll see you again next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.